Good morning, church. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. It is a good day to worship. It's a good day to come to God's house. Um, I mean, he lives at my house, too. Amen. lives at your house. <laughs> but it's wonderful to come together and to enter in. Um, I look forward to it. I look forward to it every time. I look forward to him, actually. I look forward to him. Um, but there is something special, and there is something unique to all of you, and to all of you with me together in a community. Because the truth is, is I can enter into worship here in a way that I cannot replicate at home because you are not there. You are not there. I don't think you all would fit. I have a sign. I'm going to confess. I have a sign in my entryway that my daughter bought for me. And it, it, it makes me the happiest. You know, the spark joy. It sparks joy. It says, welcome-ish. <laughs> welcome-ish. It depends on who you are and how long you'll be staying. <laughs> and I just, it's so funny. And aren't we like that sometimes? But do you know who's not like that? He's not Amen. like that. He is not a welcome-ish God. He's like an all-in. So this morning, I really, already, already I sense him saying, come on, come on, friends. I walked in, I, I looked at my kids. I said, hi, friends. I like to call them friends. I like to remind myself, they're my friends. They're my kids. They're my friends. God, this morning he says, come, come in, my friends. Come in, my sons. Come in, my daughters. Do not come do not come in as strangers. Do not come in timidly this morning, says the Lord. He says, come, run, run into my arms, run into my presence, because he's got so much for you this morning. Amen. So I'm excited this morning to enter in to Amen. the throne room. Amen. Well, stand with me, church. We're going to uh, do a call to worship. I'm going to read this out of Psalm uh, 100. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 5, which actually is all of Psalm 100. But it says this, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Just what you said. Come before His presence with singing. His presence is here. It is real. He is here. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Father, we come before you today, Lord. We worship you, your goodness, your faithfulness. We adore you today, Lord. Thank you for your presence here. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. We yield and submit completely to you. Father, we turn our eyes and our hearts to you, and we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. I feel that the Lord wants to say very clearly that he loves you. I love you, says the Lord. And I feel, like, in my spirit a very strong fear of punishment right now. And I just, like, he loves you. He loves you more than you will ever know. 
There's no fear in him because he won't punish you. It's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance, and he corrects us. But there is no punishment, and the punishment that you received from man is not the way God loves. He loves you. So what a good word to take us into communion. There's one man who took the punishment for us. There's one man, the man Jesus Christ, who took upon himself every sin, the curse of sin, and he bore our punishment. And he made a way that we could know the Father. And when you know the Father, he leads us. Gosh, he will lead you. And he will bring correction to your course and correction to your path. And he does it with, with such gentleness, with such goodness. Not that it doesn't, not that course correction isn't, you know, challenging. <laughs> the pain is in the turning away from those things that we've attached ourselves to. The pain is in the cutting ourselves off from those things that are less than, that have brought us comfort, that we've relied on, that are not of him. He draws us up into more, and he draws us up into wholeness, into healing, into himself. Oh, what a good word. What a good word to bring us into communion. Um, this morning, church, we take communion together every Sunday. Um, and we do it because uh, the word says... Um, the word says, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And that word remembrance, it's not just to remember, like to think back and remember that Jesus did that. It's to go back and to pull into the now. What Jesus did then, he does now. It is now. The veil is torn now. The way to the Father is open now. Forgiveness of sins is now. It's today healing. By his stripes, you, you are healed. It's now. It's now. We take communion together as a church family every week because every week I need to bring into the now the power of the cross, the power of the cross, healing in the forgiveness of sins. So if this is your first time with you, I'm going to go through. We come down these aisles coming to the tables. They're like one way, and you circle back circle back to your seats. Um, the cups are stacked with the juice cup is stacked on top of a cup that holds that cracker, and the plate in the middle is gluten-free. So I'm just going to dismiss you now to come down to the table and to get your elements and circle back around to your seats. Pastor Jason's going to come up, and together we're going to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus as a church family. I just feel the word unity. With El's word about love, he loves us. When we step into that love, we come into unity with the brethren. And I talked a couple weeks ago about how when we come into the presence of God, it's like the presence of God is here. It's here. I never want to be here if he's not here. Y'all are nice people and all, but I come to come into unity with you in the presence of God, to join together. It's the whole point. And it's like we can disagree about things. We can disagree about all kinds of little things. But when we come in and we press into the presence of God, you know, he always talks to me about me first, about my heart, about where I'm at. 
And we come and we remove all the distractions, all of the petty things, all of the little things. And we, we connect in with God and we say, God, talk to me about who you are. Talk to me about those things that need to go out of my life that keep me from you. And when we enter in in that way, and then I can look to my left and my right and I see all the others who have come and who have done the work of removing those distractions and fighting their way. Like the woman with the issue of blood, man, like fighting through that crowd to get into his presence. And then we are in unity. And coming into communion, this is an opportunity for us to just get quiet before the Lord and to talk with him about those things. I don't hide anything from the Lord. I am like a constant confessor. It's like if I have an ugly thought, I'm just like, Lord, did you hear that? I got to tell him myself, I invite him into the ugliness because he's my only hope. I've already been through that. I'm going to try to be better. It's exhausting and it doesn't work. I'm just not good at it. Some people are better. (laughs) They're just better people. Okay. I just know, like, God, did you hear that ugliness? That just was, that's not my, I don't want that. That's, that is not of me. I don't want that. I, and I separate myself from that sin immediately. Then there's ugliness that has like taken a little bit of root, right? And it, I can hear it coming out of my mouth. And then I'm like, oh, Lord, did you hear that? I heard, everyone heard that. Like, and I bring him, I just, I bring him in and communion is when I do that. Um, there's one scripture that I kind of get hung up on. Sometimes it's like, if you have something against your brother, you know, and not, not, not uh, rightly dividing the, the word of truth or like the, the communion. And, and so I just go to the Lord with that. The one, the one Sunday I was mad at my mom about something. <laughs> I was like, oh Lord, I'm mad at her. So I just bring, I invite you in. And that's all I had to do. I didn't have to like not take communion for 16 weeks while me and my mom worked, it wasn't that long, four weeks, while me and my mom worked out an issue. I just made sure that I recognized it, that there was nothing hidden in me, there no unforgiveness, no bitterness. It's okay if you're working something out, and it's okay if it takes a while. But communion is this time when we come into unity with the Spirit of God and with the whole body of believers, and we just invite him in, and we receive that divine impartation of grace. And this is going to be funny. I don't mean to be funny, but I need a divine impartation of grace to get along with people. That's, again, it's me confessing. I need a divine impartation of grace to love, and I think we all do. Part of our reading this week um, was in Luke, and I've read this before in, in respect to communion, but I want to read it again. It's, I'm just going to read a scripture or two, but it's the road uh, on Emmaus when they're walking and the disciples are walking and Jesus is with them and they don't realize who he is. They don't realize who is with them. And I'm going to pick it up right there. So as they're walking, they don't know who it is. It says, now, and it came to pass that he, Jesus, sat at the table with them. Church, as we take communion today, I want us to literally picture Jesus at the table with you. With you right now, where you sit. He is with you right now. And he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him. It was at that point, the breaking of the bread, the taking of communion, that their eyes were open. They recognized Jesus, who he was, what he did, what he accomplished on the cross, that he was with them, that he was there for them, that they could take anything to them. Their eyes were completely open. That's my prayer for us this morning. 
that as we take communion, that our eyes would be open to the revelation that what was done 2,000 years ago is as relevant and real today that will bring it to the present right now, February 5th, 2023. So let's just take a moment and reflect on that. Lord, we invite you in this morning. We invite you into every area of our life. Every issue, every challenge, every relationship, every sin, every fear, every concern, we invite you in. And Lord, we confess this morning that which is not of you, of things we have set up before you, ahead of you. We repent of that this morning. Lord, we believe that as we partake of your body broken and your blood shed, that our eyes would be opened to the revelation of who you are and your love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that revelation would be clearer today than it's ever been in our life. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We had given thanks, he broke, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake. Lord, we just worship you. We thank you. Father, we thank you for opened eyes today for revelation today of your goodness and mercy and love for us. And we give you all the honor and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to continue to worship the Lord. The altars are open. Church, we're in the middle of a sermon series, um, The Believer's Authority. And every week, Pastor Jason comes up and he gives us the definition of a believer, someone who holds a strong, unwavering belief in something. When you have a strong belief in something, you could say, you know, I know that that stop sign is a stop sign. I don't believe it. I believe it so, so thoroughly that I know. I'd be shocked if someone proved that I was wrong. And this is something that I know, is that there's not a single area of our life where we've gotten victory, where we haven't fought for it, and we've used the name of Jesus. I have stood or knelt or sat in my shower, praying in the spirit, weeping the name of Jesus over so many situations. I would need a book to write them down to you. I have prayed Jesus out in every direction. God, there's so much, there's so much. But when I come to him broken and when I come to him beating my breast, he has never not shown up. 
Never. He has never not shown up. Now, I will not tell you, I will not lie to you and tell you I have felt better in every situation in that moment. But I have walked away knowing that he had met me. And when he has met me, what I have learned is I lean into that. He has spoken things to me to let things go that were almost impossible to let go. But I knew he said it. And so every, I would, I'm letting it go. God, you've got her. There you go. You know how important it is if I put a her in there. You've got her. You've got this thing. You've taken care of this thing that has a hold on her that is seeking to destroy this most precious person. You've got her. You know, he did have her. And five years later, that her is safe, sound, whole, and a mighty warrior in Jesus because she walked through something with him. And I didn't try to intercede. I didn't try to be the hero. I didn't try to be the rescuer in that situation. He met me because I came to him in the name of Jesus. We have walked through our house and every room just speak the name of Jesus. If our kid has a nightmare, we're offended. Church, get offended when the enemy tries to serve you up a platter of portion that's not yours. Stand and say, I will only partake of what comes from the hand of my father. I'm not eating of your portion. I say no in the name of Jesus. If our children have a nightmare, it offends us. What is this? What is this rottenness? We say no in the name of Jesus. We speak peace in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm, I, I don't realize, as we were seeing that the Lord was just showing me these, these um, pictures of our life together. I think one of our kids, we have eight children. Only one of them, I think, has been stung by a bee once. And I was so offended. I was so offended. How dare you? How dare you, devil? That bee is subject to this family in the name of Jesus. You make honey and you leave my kids alone in Jesus' name. Allergies, asthma. I mean, I nothing but what comes from my father's hand. And then every battleground, I speak victory. Open your mouth, church. And I'm someone, obviously, I mean, I open my mouth, but I get courage here. You would not believe the battle sometimes in my own home to speak that name, to speak the truth. And you know, sometimes I need another. Sometimes it's him, but sometimes it's another. Sometimes it's one of my older daughters. They'll come up alongside me, and I just needed them. And I say, I'm struggling with this. And once I confess it to another, suddenly courage rises up, and I begin to remember. And then I begin to speak the word, and I begin to pray, and I begin to cry out. The believer's authority is ours. The name of Jesus. I love how you taught us, you know, if we go and we speak the name of Jesus and it doesn't work, well, what then? And he did a whole series. Like, here's, the se- here's seven questions. You pastors, they love to number things. Seven questions to ask when it doesn't work. Well, I mean, is the, word, is the answer already in the word and you're just not doing the thing you should be doing because you can't in the name of Jesus, you know, that, you know? And I love that you taught us that because that's been helpful to me. So, praise God. We're keep doing that series today, so it's not you're not it's not through yet. Not <laughs> um, and in fact, I just want to make mention that's a new we've never done that song before here, but I wanted to do it during this series. And I want you to know I want you to begin even before my message and begin preparing your hearts. We're going to do that song again at the end. And if there is stuff that you came in with this morning that are like, you know what, 
I've just been speaking the name of Jesus and I just feel like it's not working or this is st I'm stuck in some way, we are going to sing that again and we're going to sing it with all authority that he has given us as believers in the name of Jesus and I want us to flood the altar this morning when we sing that song at the end and just bring everything to him. In the name of Jesus, the relationship issue, the finance issue, the health issue, whatever it is, depression, anxiety, we want, it to, we want God to break it. We know he will. He will break it. And it's in the process of being broken. But I want us to confirm that this morning. And we'll sing that song again at the end. And I'm look, really looking forward to that. So let's close this time of worship with this. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Amen. We glorify him in Jesus' name. Okay. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, God. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for your goodness this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for Jesus. We just magnify Jesus in this place. God, I pray that as we go into the time of hearing your word, that you would open every heart and every mind, God. Open our eyes and our ears, Lord God, to just be led by you that you would have your way in us today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're just going to have a, a time where we can greet one another. You can go to the bathroom. Kids, uh, if you are ECF Littles, that's ages 4, 5, and 6. Littles Ministry, Littles Classroom is open. Nursery, ages 0 to 3 is open. Family room is open if you want to hang out with your child during the sermon. Uh, ECF Kid Corner, if you're a kid, ages like, what, 7 and up, there's your kid bag is over there. You can have some fun things to do while you listen to Pastor Jason give the message. Your tithes and offerings. There's two buckets up here if you want to bring those up during the break, or else there's also a box to the left of the door. Is there any? There's one more thing. I always forget. Connection card. If you're a newcomer, if this is your first time here, there's a card on the back of the chair called the connection card. It goes in with the offering. It just lets us know that you were here. We send out like one email that says, hey, here we are. Um, let us know if you need anything. It directs you to our website. Also, church family, you guys have been using that for testimonies and praise reports and prayer requests, and I keep encouraging it because it's good. It connects us to one another, um, and it does it in a really good way. So that's what those cards are for. Go ahead and use them. All right, let's love on one another. We'll be back in like five minutes. All right, church family. I have two announcements for you this morning, just two. Uh, first one is February 12th. Jeremy and Jocelyn Gall will be here to minister. That is next Sunday. Yes? Yes. Jason and I will be out of town this week to a One Focus Network marriage conference. So pray for us. <laughs> we are driving a long distance. Uh, pray over our kids. I never worry when they leave. Um, I actually pray a prayer out loud as we back out of the driveway. And I... I actually set the Lord as babysitter over the home. He's in charge. And I actually visualize him coming to the door, not that he doesn't already live there, knocking and the kid's opening the door and he walks in. He sees all the lists and all the things that I leave them to equip them for the week. And I just, then I leave and I don't worry. 
because he's in charge. They're safer with him than they even are with me. So um, prayers for them, prayers for us for safe travel. When we return, we are going to get the treat of Jeremy and Jocelyn Gall. And this is what I always say. This is always my plug for them. It's like getting like the IV of faith. Like right, that's probably a bad thing, but it's just like it goes right in. Like if you are really, if you go to the ER and you're really dehydrated, they don't just give you water to drink. They, they put it right in, okay? So that is, I love it. He just has a powerful message, um, and it's just always, you always just leave infused with faith. I love it. So don't miss Jeremy and Jocelyn next Sunday. And then my other announcement is we are having a worship and prayer night, February 17th. That is a Friday. Friday, February 17th. It is here. It begins at 7 p.m. Um, hey, Sid, worship and prayer night. So this is heavy on the worship. Is that right? Versus the first Wednesday of the month, which is more like prayer. It's similar. So is this a worship night? Oh, prayer is not forbidden. But it's a worship night. It's a worship and prayer night. I was just trying. We've had so many conversations. She's back there probably going, oh, how many times do I have to explain it to this woman? Um, it's always a great time. Sid leads us, just goodness, right into the presence of God. So I encourage you to come and um, enjoy that with us. Sid, you did a great job given the definitions. We just have to brush them off and... Go back and reread them again. Well, because it's true, right? Because you have different events and you want to know what are we doing this for? What is the purpose and what are we trying to do? And so the first Wednesday of the month, first Wednesday of the month has a purpose. And then the, uh, the worship nights have a purpose as well. So how many are ready to continue to worship the Lord with our giving? Amen? We're going to pray over this here. I got a scripture uh, this morning out of Proverbs 11. Starting in verse 24, and it says this. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Ooh. That's like, a, man, you read that a couple times, you're just like, wow. And then you combine it with the Malachi scriptures, you know, that talk about, you know, you're overflowing in storehouses, and how dare you keep back from the Lord what is rightfully his, and you're just like, okay. So really what this is telling us here, that when we withhold what is right from him, and look, all of it's his in the first place anyway, it leads to poverty. So this is not talking about a percentage or this or that. It's really talking about our heart. It comes down to a heart issue. I, we say this all the time when we're doing premarital counseling, when we're preaching, whatever it is. It comes down to the heart, and God knows the heart. Amen? And so this, 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 this sense of withholding holding something that is rightly, it ends up leading to poverty. And how many of you know that that happens in every area of our life? It's not just in finances. When we withhold out of a begrudging heart, even in our relationship, it leads to poverty within our relationships. So this applies across the board to us, but then it says in verse 25, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Amen? God knows the heart. We give not to get, but we give to be a blessing and to see others be blessed. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver. Father, we just put all of our finances in your hands, Lord. We trust you with them completely. Lord, we trust you, Lord, um, in 2023, Lord. We have just been believing to be debt-free in 2023, Lord, and we just bring that to you. 
Uh, we just speak it in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. You're leading it. It's not our idea, but yours. So, Father, Lord, as you move and work on our hearts, Lord, we just want to be generous givers to see your kingdom expanded. And we thank you for it. And, Lord, as we get into your word, Lord, that you would just open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see what you have for us. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. All right, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And as always, I'll get there here in a little bit. Uh, Luke chapter 10, and then also Galatians chapter 3 are the two places we'll spend a little bit of time in. And as Pastor Liz said earlier, you know, we are doing this series uh, on the believer's authority, and I'm not 100% sure when we're going to stop, but I'm pretty sure I know what's coming next. So usually it's good to know what's coming next uh, before you end something that God has been leading you in. And what I see coming next from a series perspective uh, is what I'm calling uh, the characteristics of God, or the character of God. And I think that's so important for us to know, especially coming out of a believer's authority, who, who is God? What, is his, what are the characteristic traits of God? What is the character of God? Because if we have that wrong, then when things happen in our life, we begin to see God in the, through the wrong filter, in the wrong light. So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I'm excited to start that series here in a couple weeks as the Lord leads. But uh, for now, we're still here in the Believer's Authority series. And the key scripture uh, that we've been, we've been using is out of Mark 16. And I'll read it again. And said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you know, church, that the gospel needs to be preached to every creature? Goodness, I, do, I don't... This, I mean, my heart, more and more so even recently, has begun to break. When we go out, we have a, a group, we go out to lunch, and, and we talk about some things, deep things, and we get into some stuff. But, you know, I look around, and I see people in the restaurants, and my heart just breaks. I mean, how many of them there don't seek Jesus, don't know Jesus, have Jesus in their heart? And how do they even go through life? How? How do you even go through life without Jesus? But he's given us this ability to speak and to share and to live our lives, to be a witness. And, and this, in Mark 16, he's talking about this. He said, he who believes will be baptized, verse 16, and saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And then verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. These signs, for those of you who are believers, those of you who believe in Jesus, have called him your Lord and your Savior, these are the signs that should follow you, and the reason why they follow you is not to build you up or to make you look better or to be super cool or whatever, but it's to lead people to Jesus. It's to arrest the attention of the unbeliever, that something so amazing happened that you couldn't possibly do on your own, right? This list of stuff that talks about, there's five things here, you can't do them on your own. It is not possible. The people in the world, those who don't have Jesus, cannot do these things. Because you can't do them unless you do them in the name of Jesus, which means you have to be a believer and have Jesus. So these things, actually, they can't be done without Jesus. It says this, these signs will follow those, but in my name they will cast out demons. Come on, church. This is real. 
There are demons alive and well, unfortunately well, in this earth and on, on this earth. And it's our job as believers to take the authority in the name of Jesus and change circumstances, change situations, be able to speak into people's lives because of his power and his authority that he's given us as believers to do these things. Unbeliever can't do it. An unbeliever who doesn't believe in Jesus cannot walk up to someone in the name of Jesus and lay hands and cast a demon out. But someone who is a believer can. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus that as a believer, we can not only renew our mind, but he can actually change the language in which we communicate. And we did this for a whole week. We talked about this. Not just a, our, our, our physical language in English or Spanish or Espanol, whatever language you speak, whatever it is, there's your physical language. And he actually transforms that as he gets it. The more you know Jesus, the more you know God, the more you know the character of God and who he is, it can't help but change the words that come out of your mouth. But you have to begin to understand who he is and get it in deep in your heart because it's out of the overflow of your heart the mouth speaks. And so we talked about how your mouth is like this gauge or this indicator of where you're at. And you can see, and it could be different in different situations, yeah? You could have a situation where you're really frustrated and down and just it's not working well and the words that are coming out of your mouth, you can see where your faith is in that. And then these new tongues and speaking um, in your spiritual language. They will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. This is a supernatural protection and covering on this earth. We saw when Pastor Andy did the, me the message on this one, how about Paul, how he picked up the serpent and it bit him. Yeah, the, the serpent bit him, he shook it off, he threw it into the fire, and no harm came to him. And what was the purpose of all of that? Is the, the entire island began to turn their hearts to the Lord. And so the purpose of all this is the supernatural safety protection is to have testimonies that you can share with others and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord, am I, did I sing this like two weeks ago? Look what the Lord has done. Look what he has done. But no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You lay hands on someone, and that pain instantly goes away, they're going to say, what was that? You say, well, I'm not a physician, but I know the great physician. And he is the one who healed you, and let me tell you about Jesus and who he is. So these signs are used to notify people of a direction in which they are going. So this believer, we'll put this definition up, the believer, anyone who holds a strong, I like that, because you even quoted it word for word, babe, you got it. Someone's just like, man, how many times, Pastor Jason, are you going to put this slide up on this screen until we all can say it on our own and say, you know what, I'm a believer because I hold a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is. That ought to be the language that we say as a believer. It's anyone who holds an unwavering belief. And it's, right, sometimes life feels like there's, there's waves coming at you. And there are waves coming at us. But when we stand firm on Jesus, that's why he is the rock. He is the cornerstone. And this authority is this delegated power, the right to command and enforce obedience. This right to command and enforce obedience because of him, because of his authority, because of the delegated power that he has given us. Now, I don't have this up there on the screen, so I'm going to skip around a little bit, so Glenn, you have to work with me here. But John 16, 33, I just want to read this again to you guys, because some of you may have come in here 
with challenges. And you've been speaking the name of Jesus, you've been praying, and things have not yet been working out. And I'm not going to go back and go through those seven things, but here's what I will tell you. It says, these things I have spoken to you, this is John 16, that in me you may have peace. In him you may have peace. Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, whatever's going on in Jesus, you can have peace. In the world, right, there's, there's the spiritual realm in Jesus, and then there's the world. In the world, you will have what? Tribulation. You will have trouble. You will have challenges. So just because you are a believer and you have the believer's authority doesn't mean you can walk around and nothing ever bad ever happens to you. How many know that to be the case? <laughs> right? We just, we know that to be the case. There are, somebody will, you could, in the name of Jesus, your entire drive to work and someone can still cut you off. We live in the world. In the world, you will have tribulation. You have challenges. That's a minor challenge. But there are major challenges that we face in our lives as well. It doesn't mean that they go away, but it means that we have a firm foundation and a rock and authority in Jesus and who he is and in his name to make progress and in that situation and begin to change those circumstances, first in the spiritual realm, and then we see them begin to move in the physical realm. So you will have tribulation, but what be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Amen? Be of good cheer, for he has overcome the world. Okay, Luke 10, I had you turn there in verse 17, and I want to talk a little bit about the believer's authority and how it relates to finances. And we talked a bit, really, about it, how it relates to a lot of areas of life. I specifically want to talk about how it relates to finances, but what you'll hear from what I'm saying applies to really every area of our life. But I want to speak something specifically around finances as we get towards the end of this series. It says this, starting in verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. How many of you, that's a joyful time? When you begin to see demons flee. And I was telling somebody earlier, I've had, I don't know how often I've shared this. I had a dream, and I want to share this with you guys, in April of 2017. I haven't shared it all that much. I may have mentioned it here before. But when I read that, I want you to know that in this dream, there was thousands and thousands and thousands of people in an arena. And there were people on the stage, worldly people on the stage. And everything that they were giving or feeding or speaking to those thousands and thousands of people were meant for harm. And it was meant to actually steal, kill, and destroy the people. And it was all the things of the world, all the, the glories of riches and honor and power and all the stuff that lead men and women to places where it is very difficult and very challenged life. And it was leading them to being sick. They were literally sick and dying in this arena. And I was in the midst of all of this, and I I'm saying this because I believe that I was representing us. I was representing Erie Christian Fellowship Church and all of the believers and this body, this family of God here at Erie Christian Fellowship Church. And I was in the midst of this, and I was like, what am I supposed to do, Lord? And he said, grab each person, command them to get up in Jesus' name, see them healed, and get them to safety. 
And I just started walking around this arena and grabbing somebody and picking them up and saying, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. And it was like whatever was on them, whatever was the, the oppression and the depression and all the stuff, the junk that was on them began to shed off. I said, now go and get into safety. And I just started sending people out. And I believe we as a church are called also to do the very same thing in our communities, in our workplace, in the places that we are. And here's the interesting thing. There were ushers there. And the ushers' responsibility was to keep people in their seats. It was so that they were not allowed to leave. And when I looked at these ushers, they were actually demons. It gives me chills saying it again. This, this dream was years and years. I mean, remember vividly like it was yesterday. And these ushers, were, they were literally meant like, no, no, you can't leave. They were, they were keeping people in their seats to continue to be fed the junk from the world to see them begin to die. And as I was saying to people, get up, I realized that this is only part of what I have to go do. To see them lay hands on the sick and see them healed. The other part was to go after those ushers and get them out of the area where they were keeping people in. And I walked over to one of these ushers and they actually had, they had a nice jacket on. I mean, they looked all professional and formal. And as I became, as I began to walk up to them, the, the, de the demonic usher just wouldn't look at me, wouldn't look at me, wouldn't look at me, and began to walk away. And the closer I got, the further they went. And when I grabbed it on the shoulder, I just reached out and I grabbed it on the shoulder. The entire thing started to shake and ran away. And I said, oh my gosh, is that not a picture of the believer's authority and what we as a church need to operate. We live in a spiritual realm, church. There's a spiritual realm that is happening all around us, and we see it only in the physical realm as we walk around, and we don't realize the importance of the spiritual realm that's going on, which is why this believer's authority is so important. And so when the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name, I, I woke up joyful from that dream. I was like, hallelujah, even the demons will flee from us. And it was me in the dream, but I'm telling you guys, it was my family, it was our church, it was all of us collectively together. I was representing us in this world, and it's time, church, that we begin to take the believer's authority, not just from these four walls, which not is, isn't even the church. We are the church. This is a building that we are in, to take these, these, these concepts, these these principles of faith that the word has shown us, and to go out and begin to live these out in our lives. Verse 18, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority. Jesus has given us authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and what? Over all the power of the enemy. All of it. Not some of it. Not a portion of it. But he says he's given us all the power over the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. And then verse 20 says this. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Don't rejoice in this. This is just because of who he is, his goodness. And but rejoice, what? That the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And I love the way that's written. I love the way Luke wrote that is because it's just like, hey, all these great things happen, but what should we really be rejoicing about? That we've got Jesus in our hearts. The only reason why that power and authority even exists is because of him. And so having Jesus in our hearts and knowing who he is and inviting him in is the most important part of this entire thing. 
Say, well, Pastor Jason, you're talking about finances. What are you talking about? All I hear you talking about Jesus. Yeah, exactly. All I'm, I'm talking about Jesus because it relates to every area of our life. God has given us power over all the authority of the enemy. God is the God of the blessing. Satan is the one who brings the curse. Poverty, church, is part of the curse. And if we have all authority over all the power of the enemy, and if the enemy's power is the curse, then what Jesus did on the cross has redeemed us from that curse, and now we sit in authority, and the blessing is where we reside, day in and day out. Just as sickness and disease is a curse, so is poverty. And in the name, in Jesus' name, believers will lay hands on the sick, they will recover, but I also believe that in the name of Jesus, finances and our financial situation can begin to change when we trust him, who he is in our life, and we begin to use the believer's authority. Galatians 3.13 says this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. What Jesus did on the cross broke the bounds that broke, broke poverty, broke sickness, broke death, broke all of those things. He broke them. Because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. The blessing of Abraham. What Jesus did on the cross put the curse down and opened up the blessing of Abraham. What? Upon the Gentiles. In Christ Jesus. That we might receive what? The promise of the Spirit through faith. So as a believer, we are no longer under the curse and we have this ability now because of God's great greatness and power to use the believer's authority even over finances. Colossians 2 says this, verse 14. It's what Jesus has done. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Woo! All of the stuff that we, in our own minds, keep account of past sins, past this, and what God's saying is, wipe that out. What Jesus has done, wipe out the handwriting, these requirements, all the stuff that was against us, get rid of it. Because why? Because it's contrary to us, of who we are now in Christ Jesus. And he has taken it out of the way, having what? Nailed it to the cross. Oh my goodness, church. Having nailed it to the cross, in verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers. Jesus' work on the cross and the resurrection from the dead not only broke the curse that was upon us, but it actually disarmed, meaning it eliminated the enemy's ability and power to have authority and control over your life. It's like, what? Come on, church. We have to get this revelation and get a hold of this. He nailed it on the cross. He disarmed the principalities of powers. And what? He made a public spectacle of them. Woo! Come on, church. Can we make a public spectacle of the devil? What if we walked around and our goal, I've said this one of these other weeks, if our goal was to make a public spectacle of the devil? Holy cow. What? Because that's what Jesus did. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. 
So Jesus spoiled the principalities and powers. What he did broke their power and their ability. He reduced them to nothing. In other words, he took away their ability to dominate us. No more. These principles and powers cannot dominate us anymore in, every, in any area, including financials. So let me say this. There's a story, I think I mentioned this last week, I want to actually read it to you. It's a testimony uh, by Kenneth Hagin, and it's just a short one. I'm just going to read it real quick. And it talks about finance, and when he got a hold of this revelation of the believer's authority when it comes to finances in his life, I want to tell, show you what actually occurred in his life. It says this. He says, well, I'm trying to overcome them, someone might say. No, you don't try. You just accept by faith what Jesus did, what we just read. We have to believe what we just read is the truth, that what happened 2,000 years ago happened, and we believe and we receive and we accept it. You have to accept what Jesus did, what he did for you. Christ's victory is your victory. Christ's victory over death, over destruction is our victory as well. Kenneth Hagin says, and that's when the Lord told me to claim the money that I needed. Look, we are not a name it and claim it church, but we do believe that God has given us a believer's authority. And when something that lines up with the word of God, lines up with the word of God, then we are going to believe all in for that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, you know, to, to, uh, to believe and receive a million dollars. We don't just say in the name of Jesus, a million dollars. But what we do say, in the name of Jesus, every need shall be met. And I will be a blessing so that others can be blessed, so that the kingdom of God can be expanded. So the Lord told him to claim any money that he needed. And I understood what he meant, Kenneth Hagin said. He said he was telling me to believe and exercise my spiritual authority in the area of finances. The Lord had said to me, the money you need is not up here in heaven. I was like, man, that hit me. It's like, oh, yeah. We were laughing the other day, like, you know, we said money doesn't grow on trees. Well, it's more likely to grow on trees, but it's not up in heaven. Yeah, there's gold and all kinds of stuff in heaven, but I haven't seen any money, like, literally coming down from the sky. The things we need for this earth are actually on, on this earth. He said, he said that Jesus told us, I don't have any money up here. The money you need is down there, and it's Satan who's keeping it coming from you. Just like that dream and that vision that I had. It's Satan, it's the one, the enemy is the one who is blocking the blessing. And we as believers have to take the authority and know that I don't live under the curse anymore. And I'm going to speak that any, every financial need that I need in the name of Jesus is going to be met. And that is the attitude and the heart that we have to come from. He said, he said the Lord told him, don't pray about money in the way you have been. He said, the Lord said, whatever you need, say in the name of Jesus, say, I receive it. And then say, Satan, take your hands off my money. And then say, go, listen to this, ministering spirits and cause the money to come. I want to talk about that for a little bit. You know that we have, there are angels and angels are real. There are story after story that we have that are angels surround and protect our vehicles in the most amazing ways. I know Sophia and Travis have a story like that. We have stories like that. I shared one at the beginning of this series of us driving to North Carolina and, the, and our car uh, hydroplaning and going sideways and look like we're going to go careening off the road. And you had said, what is that, your exact words were? In the name of Jesus. All of a sudden the car, whoop, 
right in the lane. Hallelujah. There are angels that surround and that do the ministering on our behalf when we put them into action. We have to actually get them into action. They're just waiting for us to call them into action. He said that this prayer was back in 1950, and from that day forward, he never prayed or had to worry about money himself again. And the testimony that he had shared further down in the story was there was a, he was doing some ministry of service and he needed a certain amount of money to cover his expenses and bills. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I'm believing at that time was for $150, right? That was, that was a lot back then, $150. And by the end of the service, they asked him to stay one more day, which means he meant $200 and $201 came in for him. Above and beyond all that we ask or imagine and need. And so I want us to understand, well, what does that look like? How do we do that? What, you know, so we have this believer's authority, and in any area, whether it's finances or not, what do we do? Matthew 6, verse 31. Because in every area of our life, whether it's finances or relationships, we have to understand this principle of how and when do we use this believer's authority. It says in verse 31, Therefore, do not worry. The very first thing we have to do is to not worry. Now, this is one of the hardest things to do. For whatever reason, just our own intellect and our minds and our efforts is, is we want, a lot of times, it's like, we, it's like we like to worry. Ooh. We shouldn't like to worry, but sometimes it actually is just like you begin to worry, it's like it feels good. It feels like you're actually, like, well, I should be really highly considering this situation and all that we talked about, all the pros and cons to this thing and make this great list of all these things. Look, I'm not saying don't use wisdom. I'm not saying never use a pro-con list. But what I am saying is the very first thing that God tells us to go do when it comes to believing him for every area of our life is to what? Not worry. Not worry. We have, to, we have to seek this. If you begin to start worrying, you have to say, whoa, Lord, renew my mind. i got to get back in the word on this situation because I'm beginning to worry, to worry about money, to worry about my health, to worry about my kids, to worry about safety. There are so many things on this earth we can worry about, it feels like it's endless. Some of you might be worrying about what you're going to do this afternoon. Super Bowl's next week. Don't worry, you're not missing to the Super Bowl. Next week you'll watch the Super Bowl. Don't worry. I think I told you guys, my goal in 2023 is pray more and worry less. Pray more and worry less. And God has told us specifically over and over, don't worry. And for us personally, he's told us don't worry about money. He said it like over and over. He says it to us so many times, it's almost like he has other people come into our life and tell us because we forget sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think it was Ryan. Ryan sent me a text one morning. He's like, the Lord is saying to you, don't worry about money. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm obviously worrying about money at the moment. But sometimes he uses other believers to speak into our life and just to remind us what he's already spoken to us. So we don't worry. That's point number one. We don't worry. But what do we do? Verse 33. Let's skip verse 32. After all these things the Gentiles seek. All this stuff, what shall we eat, what shall we wear, what shall we drink, all these things, the Gentiles, for all these things is what they seek. For your heavenly Father already knows all these things. He knows what you need. He's got it covered. So we don't worry. But verse 33 says this, so what should we do? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
And all these things shall be added to you. What things? All the things that you need. All the things that are concerning. So if we are seeking his kingdom first, we don't have to worry about money. Now that's hard to do in practicality. But what does it look like to seek his kingdom? Seeking his kingdom is wanting a heart in our hearts to see his kingdom expanded. To see in the name of Jesus, to go and see the lost saved, the sick healed, families thriving, people's lives transformed. That's what the kingdom is, to see the kingdom of God's work done. So he's telling us, if you, if you are not seeking the kingdom first, it's almost like worry begins to creep up on us. And we have to change our mindset to seek the kingdom first. So therefore, verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So first, we don't worry. The second thing we have to do is seek the kingdom first. So here in 2 Corinthians, verse 4, is kind of the second piece of this thing of what we have to go do. 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse, or actually just verse 13, says this. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. And so what I read into this scripture here is these are what we have to have. Not only do we not have to worry, we have to seek the kingdom of God, but we have to have faith in God. We have to have faith in God that he is who he says he is, that he'll do what he says he will do, and that we trust in him in every area of our life, including our finances. And then it says we have to believe that we'll receive. We have to believe that we will receive. This means to position ourselves to receive. We have to position ourselves to receive. In a, in a, in a way, look, if you are looking for a job, you're like, look, Lord, I need financial increase in my life, and I, and I just need a job, sitting on the couch and not applying for a job, and not making a resume for a job, and not doing anything proactively for, that's not faith. Faith without action is dead. You actually have to take a step. You position yourself to receive what you need from a financial perspective and in every area of our life. So we must position ourselves, believe that we will receive. And then last of all, we have to use our believer's authority. Worship team, if you want to come back up here. We have to use our believer's authority. Because I believe in every area of our life there is power in this and the ability to use this in areas of our life. We know and we've said that their life and death are in the power of the tongue. We can either speak life into our finances and into our relationships or we can speak death to them. But we can use our tongues, we can use our language, we can use our words to bind up the enemy and to loose the finances that are needed in order for us to do the work of the kingdom in which he has us for. And the work of the kingdom may look differently for each person here. In fact, I know that it does. If you're a mom at home, the work of the kingdom is raising your children, pouring life into them. If you're at work, the work of the kingdom is being a light in your workplace to those around you. So here's what I want to do this morning is I'm going to say a prayer over our finances, then we're going to put that, we're going to lay that aside for a minute. And as I said earlier, we're going to do this song again, I Speak Jesus. And I want you to come up here as we sing that song 
If in any area of your life you are believing for something in the name of Jesus to see change in your life, whether it be a relationship, whether it be your finances, whether it be a lost loved one, whatever it is, when we begin to sing this, I want you to sing this with your whole heart and bring whatever that situation, that circumstance that you came in with, that you want to see God move on your behalf. And I want us to use that believer's authority this morning. Because how do we use that? We say, in the name of Jesus. And this song is perfect for that. Because it, what is it? It's I speak Jesus. So let me pray over our finances real quick. And then I just want us to come and enter into his presence. And cry out the name of Jesus over every area of our life. God, your word says that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Therefore, on the authority of your word, I bind every force that has set itself up against our finances. I hereby declare all curses against me and my family and this church are null, void, and harmless. For we are redeemed from the curse of poverty and we are free from oppression. And in the name of Jesus, I now loose the abundance of God and all that rightfully belongs to us now comes to us in a perfect way of your grace and mercy. And I declare in the name of Jesus that every need is met, every bill is paid, that we as a church and as church family members are debt free in Jesus' name. And Lord, we trust you and we seek your kingdom. We don't seek to be debt free, we seek your kingdom and you take care of the rest. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to share something with you really quick. This has been a, a journey for us since 2010. Uh, when Jason left a career at GE that was on track to be e-band is what they called it back then, just executive where you just, you're really good at what you do and they pay you really well for your whole life for it. And the Lord called us out of that and he told us, don't worry about money. This is like one of the first things that he told us. And um, in the beginning, we were really enthusiastic and we did really well. But, you know, you fast forward five and six years and lots of kids come on the scene. And um, I would begin to take steps to try to be responsible. We're very responsible people. So it's hard when the Lord calls you out of the boat and says, don't worry about this thing. Because what you risk is really your reputation. You risk looking irresponsible when he says, do this, make this decision. And you're just like, this doesn't feel responsible. So I would try to do things to make everything more reasonable, like reasonable decisions or responsible decisions. And the Lord said to me, am I a small God? He wanted to move in our life in big ways. And I would keep him small because I wanted to appear and feel responsible or feel safe. And so he required that I loose him. <laughs> I had to loose him from the limitations I was putting on him. Um, and so he began to work on me in that. All, every scripture, every scripture, the generous heart. And it was money. I mean, it was, I, I wasn't a natural giver, but more than that, relationships. So when he comes up here and he says it's not just about money, it's about, he's not just saying that to make you feel better, like he's not just talking about money. He's, it's for real. The generosity of heart and of spirit is something I've prayed for and the Lord has grown me in. This is what I want to tell you. At some point, and it was just a couple years ago because we were in the house that we're in, um, we were talking about making a, making a, spending money in a way that really was going to help us a lot. 
in particular free us in our time so that we could be better parents and do the it was about landscaping. It's hard for us to spend money on stuff like landscaping or painting because it's we feel like, oh, well, we could do this ourselves. Yeah. Clue, we can't, <laughs> especially the landscaping. We can't do it ourselves. So it was a big expense, but I really, I felt like we were supposed to do it. And he said to me, he's like, Liz, for the first time, I'm telling you, I can see the end of the financial. He's like, I can see the cliff. I can see the point where it's like the bills are going to exceed What's there to pay it? He's like, I can see the cliff. And I was, we were standing in the driveway. If you've never seen Thelma and Louise, it's this movie. I'm not telling you you should watch it. It's not like a godly movie or anything. But in the end, they, they, there's these two women, and they have this wild adventure. And in the end, the cops are chasing them. And they're about to get caught, and there's the cliff. And they look behind them at, like, jail. And they look at the cliff, and they just look at each other, and they throw it in drive, and they just decide we're going out on top. And that's how the movie ends. Sorry, I just ruined the movie. It ends with them like midair and they're like, yeah, you know, and they don't show what happened. That's it. It freezes. They don't show like the actual end. So yeah. And I were standing in the driveway and I said to him, babe, if you can see the cliff, then I'm telling you either God provides or he doesn't provide. I'm going off it like Thelma and Louise, baby. And he looked at me and he was like, okay, okay. So I just wanted to come up here and I wanted to tell you that he is a provider. It's who he is. We don't have faith in what God's going to do. God's going to buy me that new car. I say in Jesus' name and you lay your hands on like the BMW. That's utter nonsense. He doesn't do what we try to manipulate him into doing by using scripture. He is provider. That's who he is. And so he provides. And he doesn't provide small he doesn't do it second. He's not a second-rate kind of God like, well, well, you can just live in the smallest possible place. He leads each one of us in a path, and we are called to know him, not to do it like the person sitting next to us, but to know him and have faith in him. So I wanted to encourage you, man, don't be afraid. He, the, the, it's an Irish thing. The road, may the road rise up to meet you. God provides. We have never leapt out in faith where he has not met us in a huge and abundant ways. So when we speak Jesus, we are literally speaking Jesus. It's like I can feel it. I can see it. I can sense it going out and making the way for our feet to land. And he has never, ever failed to provide. That's good. So guys, we're going to do that. This, we're going to take action to that this morning. We're going to take a step, if, if you're willing to, if you want to, to take a step forward as we sing this song, as we speak Jesus. And what we're doing is we're giving him thanks and welcoming him into this situation. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety. Maybe you have a physical need in your body. Maybe you're, it's a sin that you've been battling with, and you're just like, I need Jesus in this situation. Well, today's the day. Invite him in. Come forward and speak Jesus into that situation. Maybe it's your finances. Whatever it is, we're going to give him thanks. We're going to welcome him in. We're going to declare what will happen in his name, and we're going to use the authority in the name of Jesus and watch him move on our behalf. We may not see it or feel it this moment. I believe some of you will, but we're going to see Jesus do what only Jesus can do. And so all he's asking us for do is to take a step forward of faith and say, I want to take this step in the name of Jesus. I'm giving this to you. So let's sing this together today, church. As we were singing that, the Lord spoke to my heart 
as a leader over the church, right, we've been in this job for four years. This was not something that was something that we ever thought. It wasn't on our menu. It was on the Lord's menu. And what he spoke to me, he said, guys, you're just parents. You're parents, and what you're doing is you're activating people, and you're pointing them to the Father. We raise up our kids to launch them into his into their ministries, into their life, into their calling, not to keep them. We are not their main thing. We're just here. And it's the same. It's the same. And I felt like I wanted to come up and I wanted to tell you, we bless our children. We have authority over our children. And because of the position God has placed us in this church, we stand in spiritual authority over every one of you who sit in, under this ministry. And if ever there's a, something that you're going through in your life and you just need, you just want a blessing, then ask for it. Pastor Andy, myself, Jason, sometimes I've gone up to him when I'm in a battle and I have said, bless me, baby, please bless me. And I'm not looking for him to counsel. I'm not looking for his counsel. I'm not looking for the answers from him. I'm just looking for him to bless me. And it's powerful. It's powerful. So go home and speak the name of Jesus over your homes, over every situation. Fathers and mothers, bless your children. Put your hands on their head. Put your hands on their head and bless them. Speak the blessing. Speak the blessing. Because the enemy does not stop. He, he roams about seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't ever stop trying to take ground. And so we push him back because we are children of the blessing. So at any point, at the end of service, it's not gonna, if, if ever you need a blessing, that's what we're here for. We're not here to be the answer to your problems or to be Jesus for you. We point you to him, but we will bless you. We will stand with you in faith. And you're going to send us out with a blessing and with I a am. benediction. I am. I'm going I'm to do two things. I'm going to end this. I want to speak to Satan. And whatever situation you guys came up here with, we're going to secure that and declare it in the name of Jesus. And then I'm going to send you guys off with that blessing. But let's first, we're going to use this authority. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, you and your demonic forces may not come against us, may not come against this church, these families, our finances, our property, our relationships, our marriage, or anything that concerns us. Satan, you are bound away from us and our families. We are covered and cleansed with the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not kill, steal, destroy us or our property in Jesus' name. And I remind you, Satan, that you are defeated and we are victorious in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as we close, there will be some group leaders up here that can pray with you. If you've got a specific prayer need or request, or you just want someone to pray with you, they'll be up here. But here, or if you want a special blessing, they'll bless you as well. But let me just read this over you guys as I send you out. And all these blessings, all these blessings shall come upon you and over take you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you all be in the city and blessed shall you all be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, 
the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, which means your physical body, your work, your job, everything that you put your hand to, and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. In Jesus' name, amen. amen, amen. We love you guys. There's some prayer teams up here, and we'll see you next week. Keep us in prayer for our marriage conference. <laughs>